Okay, I want to thank you all for tuning in and logging on to another episode of Illuminati News Hour. Right here at Illuminati Radio, I'm your host, I'm your pastor, Mr. Michael Smith. If you're new to this podcast, make sure you hit that follow button, turn on your notification bell so you can be notified when I drop this breaking news on you. And if you want to donate to this podcast, you're welcome to do so. The cash app is dollar sign Illuminati Radio Fund. That's dollar sign Illuminati Radio Fund. We have some, you know, for all of you people who follow Hollywood, we got some sad news. It's not really sad news when you pass your soul through the fire of Moloch. When you ask for it, it's not sad news when you ask for it. When you know what you was coming up to, it's not really sad news. And before I get into the audio, I want you guys to know that she died at the age of 70. 70. What did I tell you about all this year? It's the year of sevens. Why? Because the elites worship Saturn. Saturn is known for having seven rings around it. Mostly all the celebrities that died this year died by the, the Saturn rit- uh, the Saturn ritual. This was a Saturn ritual. You know what I'm saying? The elites presented her, well, Ice Cube presented her body up to Saturn. Actually, Ice Cube presented her body up to Saturn when she signed that damn contract. You know what I'm saying? I know you guys say, oh, but she's so sweet. Listen, um, Dame, uh, uh, um, Stacy Dash is sweet, and I had a huge crush on her. She's sweet. I had a huge crush on her, but that don't stop me from speaking the truth about her. You know what I'm saying? Who else I had a huge crush on? I had a huge crush on back in the day, Nivea. But that don't still stop me from speaking the truth about her. I also had a huge crush on, uh, who else was it? Um, Nivea. Uh, da, 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 da. I think that's it. Oh, Mariah Carey. I also had a huge crush on Mariah Carey. You know what I'm saying? But that don't stop me from speaking the truth about them. You understand? If they pass their soul to the fire of Moloch, they pass their soul to the fire of Moloch. That was just a crush. I will never touch them with a 10-foot pole. Hell no. I won't go. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? Let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and uh, play the audio so you guys can hear. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Catherine Bradley, a.k.a. Miss Parker. Let's go ahead and hear it. I'm Kathleen Bradley in the building, most known for her role as Miss Parker from the movie Friday. But you actually have a very interesting story outside of that, so I want to get into the whole into the whole background of who you are. Exactly. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, so you were born in Ohio. Yeah. Oh, Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> Great place to be from. I'm telling you, I had a wonderful, good childhood there. You know, uh, I'm actually from a place called Girard. It's near a place called Youngstown. Youngstown used to be known as Bombtown, USA. A lot of mafias were there, which was very exciting. And um, when I was growing up, you know, I'd always really inspired to be an entertainer. I always wanted to have an acting career. And let me remind you, this is a, a satanic scumbag, you know what I'm saying, who have a, a platform that cater to 
fallen angels that cater to fallen stars. Yes, Vlad. Oh, you don't know who Vlad is. Vlad is a stupid, retarded scumbag who, you know what I'm saying, who strive. He's, he's, Vlad is like the pork chop beating pastors in your churches. He strive on receiving, you know what I'm saying, fame from interviewing stars that once was stars. Because everybody who's on Vlad TV, they once was hot until they was not. And then they get interviewed by Vlad in hopes to get hot again or to sell whatever they're trying to sell. And Vlad takes advantage of that by, hey, I can, look, the elites put me here to interview you fallen angels. The elites put me here to interview you fallen angels, you you satanic scumbags. So I'm going to interview you, you know what I'm saying? You're going to promote whatever you promoting, and at the same time, you are going to give me clout by, inter- by I'm Vlad, I'm Vlad, I'm, I'm that Ashkenazi Jew. <laughs> Fake Jew, that is. Anyway. Let me go ahead and finish. It really worked out for me that everything was just divine in terms of family and the people who were supporting me. And um, I really, in my high school, grade school, I was, you know, doing um, different uh, shows and entertaining and uh, even at home and standing on the little uh, toy box, entertaining with my brother and you know, it was a lot of fun. So entertainment has always been in my blood. And that's something I've always wanted to do. And, you know, as it would have, have it, I, like I said, I, I did the different shows in high school and what have you. And in 1971, I came to California, the land of milk and honey and dreams of Hollywood. And 1971, she became a whore trying to get her little damn twat wet. You know what I'm saying? By any damn producer who will give her a shot at a movie role. You know, kind of like those women that was hanging around Bill Cosby. Because Bill Cosby was an old pervert who wanted young women. And he knew that he had the keys to their success. Bill Cosby didn't have to drug them women. They was willing to drop their drawers for an old fart like Bill Cosby. And let Bill Cosby rub his jello pudding all in they ass. You know what I'm saying? All for a damn contract in Hollywood. So, let's go ahead, Miss Catherine. Go ahead. And all that stuff. And I, I happened to, you know, get into pageantry. And really, I, and I was uh, doing an interview not too long ago, a couple of days ago. And by being a part of the uh, pageantry, and I tell young ladies... It really helps to have exposure, to be able to meet people and go to another level when you're involved in some type of activity such as... Stop, stop it, Catherine. Stop it trying to introduce the young women into whore lifestyle. That's Hollywood lifestyle. Because the black women are supposed to be modest. Catherine Bradley... You should have found a husband, and you should have been up under your husband. That's how a woman's supposed to be. A woman ain't supposed to be loud and all up front, showing what was she on Friday. She had some booty shorts on, and you know what I'm saying? Her shirt tied in the front. 
like a harlot, like a harlot, like a Jezebel, like a whore. You know what I'm saying? So she got her start becoming a whore in a damn Friday movie. Just keeping it real. You black women are queens. You know what I'm saying? You black women are Q-U-E-E-N-S. Queens. You black women are queens. Hebrew queens. You women ain't supposed to be, you know what I'm saying, out there running your mouth. No hair. You know what I'm saying? Damn near, damn near half dressed, stripping on a damn pole. You ain't supposed to be doing that. And not only that, they portrayed her to be a whore on Friday as well. How did they do that? She had a husband, which was a midget. But then here comes the pastor, um, Bernie Mac, goes over, spits some game to her. Next thing you know, him and Bernie Mac, her and Bernie Mac, goes in the house. They get they freak on. So she so she committed adultery in the movie. That, you know. But things have changed so very much now, obviously, with having contact with people and having people contact you or having, you know, to be seen. Back then we didn't have cell phones and all that, honey. But you know, it did help. And it landed me into some really great positions in life. One being that, you know... You heard what she said? It landed her into some really great positions in life. I wonder what's that. Doggy style, maybe maybe one of them. Then you got your, you know what I'm saying, um... Yeah, that's doggy style. Then you got your ass up, face down in a pillow. That's another style. That's another uh, position. How about, um... The position where, I guess, you're on the kitchen counter. I, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of different positions. How about the knees? You, you're on your knees, slurping and gurping. That's another position. You know what I'm saying? So what other positions were you in, Miss Catherine? Let's go ahead. First of all, this hot pants. Oh, shit. Hot pants. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, she did. I, I, I just, I, this is my first time here in this interview, people. My first time, your for probably your first time as well. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't know that she the next thing that she was gonna say was Miss Hot Pants. After I said what I said, you know what I'm saying, the different positions that she in, she said her name was Miss Hot Pants. <laughs> I can't make this shit up. This is her speaking. She's 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 burying herself. Miss Fine Brown Frame.
seven women, seven girls called the Love Machine. So seven girls, and then we actually had an eight-piece band, people. Oh, you guys and people out there nowadays have your little tracks and stuff. We actually had a real band, a a five-piece rhythm section of three horns. And we traveled all throughout Europe, Italy, Germany, Spain, Belgium, Sweden, Switzerland, Africa, Asia. France was our second home. Our first gig that we ever had and left the States was in Saint-Tropez. Okay, the south of France. It was such a wonderful experience, you know, and I even actually had the opportunity to go to Vietnam in the 70s as Miss Black California with the Black um, Miss America tour. And that in itself was so rewarding, something I will never, ever forget. And we actually had an opportunity to get with Motown Records. We are Motown Record recording artists. We worked with Norman Whitfield, Stevie Wonder recorded us, and the real kicker, you know the song, I'm just a love machine, and I won't work for nobody but you, yeah. You know that song was written for us, for the love machine. We worked with the um, uh, 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 Miracles. That's right when Smokey Robinson left the group, and Billy Griffin came on, And he and Pete Moore knew us because we worked with them. And they said, they wrote a song just for us. And they told Suzanne DePath, who was with Motown, Suzanne, the love machine, this would be a great song for the girls. So what happened was, you know what? They did it themselves. Suzanne said, you guys need to do that song yourself. And the rest is history. And we were so hurt and so bad felt so bad after we heard it and knowing that it was for us that would have been a great time and the best time in life to be a one hit wonder <laughs> okay so you were actually signed to Motown yes we were okay any uh, crazy stories uh, around Motown Barry Gordy I mean was Michael Jackson there during that time oh yeah the Jacksons were there So she was signed to Motown Records as well. Wow. But didn't come out with a single damn hit. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of all of them rappers that were signed to Cash Money Records. But they never came out with one single album. You know Cash Money Records had many, many artists on that he signed. Uh, Birdman had many, many artists that he signed. Some of them he killed right after he signed them. And some of you, he just signed and never, never came out with an album. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, we know what we know what happened. We know what happened. You know what I'm saying? They use, you know what I'm saying? Motown used them girls. That was like, uh, let me say, in seventy, must have been like seventy-four. I will say we were with Motown. The Jacksons were there. I mean, uh, we were with Howard Davis, like I said, Norman Whitfield, Stevie Wonder. We were in full throttle with Motown at that time. Um, Barry Gordy and Fuller Gordy and you name it. Uh, But we were still doing a lot of work outside of the United States. Because, you know, still, even though we were with Motown, if you didn't have a hit record and... 
you just it was difficult mistakes but being in europe was just a wonderful absolutely great place to be performing people loved us there and you know as close as we knew don cornelius and dick griffey and everybody the love machine just couldn't get it couldn't get on soul train that was one of our big regrets and our manager john daniels was like this with uh, don cornelius but you just had to have a hit song to be on there so that always takes me back to had we known that the miracle wrote that song the love machine for us or had we had a hit song we, we, you know like i said you know there's a lot of groups that had a one-hit wonder <laughs> at this point we wouldn't have minded mind to be one you know why katherine um bradley you had was y'all was torn and everything but y'all didn't have a hit song because something got to die in order for your song to come to life you didn't come up with a sacrifice or maybe somebody didn't tell you to come up with a sacrifice you know what i'm saying you sitting here writing and writing well not you wasn't writing you just y'all were just singing what other people wrote but you didn't have a sacrifice Catherine. That's why. To answer your question. Look, there's a lot of videos out there. People can actually go on YouTube and look and see The Love Machine uh, with Kathleen Bradley. And we did several big TV shows in Paris and Germany and France that have been taped. And thank God now, over the years, we're able to go back and kind of get some of that stuff and look at it. Whereas before... You know, because you don't have the cameras, you don't have the videotapes like we have now, that we weren't able to take a lot of photos and videos and have the privilege of uh, doing things on the spare of the moment to tape and have the memories. But there's a lot of good memories that we have that some people have captured. Okay, and you went on to do a bunch of TV shows. Uh, I guess Good Times, uh, Red Fox Show, right. Days of General Hospital, right. uh, Different World at one right. point. Yes, yes, actually after I left, well, let, me, let me stop you there for a minute. After I left the love machine, I actually went. Pay attention now. All of these TV shows, don't think just because she was on all these TV shows, she's paid. That's what just to pay the bills. These are when you in Hollywood, you know what I'm saying? You got you got big time movies that you can star in and or you can just get gigs just to pay the bills. When you have a when you are a cameo spot or when you got just a couple of lines in a TV show, you know what I'm saying? Just two or three lines in a TV show, that's just to pay the bills. You just getting two or three hundred dollars. I'm telling you, people, you only getting two or three hundred dollars for these different damn television programs. That's all you getting. You know what I'm saying? That was just to pay the bills. Go ahead. Let me go ahead and hear this. With one other singing group called Destination. Now, Destination was two girls and one guy. Myself, Linda Fierce, and Danny Lugo. We actually signed with Butterfly MCA Records. So I was with MCA Records as well. See, a lot of people don't know that about me. Oh, Miss Parker. Miss Parker got a little talent up in here, okay? <laughs> so what it happened was um, I got with MCA Butterfly Records, and we actually got on the Billboard charts with a hit song that was back in the disco day. It must have been in, like, 78. And we did a remake of Curtis Mayfield's Move on up, da 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 da. Hush 
fly. Destination. So we had a great time. We worked on the Merle Griffin show. We did the Copacabana. We worked a lot throughout the United States. And it was just that hard-hitting, hard-hitting disco Okay, okay. So that was a hit back in the disco days. I remember that song, Move On Up. I remember that. But where's your sacrifice at? Where's your sacrifice at, Catherine? Where's your sacrifice? Was you the sacrifice? Or was one of your members the sacrifice? And it was a wonderful time being there. I only did that for about two years or so because they had some other groups that were traveling and doing things. But after that, I really got back more into my acting and my modeling and what have you and did some of the TV shows that you mentioned. And uh, then went on and got married for one time and had a wonderful, beautiful daughter. And actually after that, I do a little bit more TV and some other things. And then... Lo and behold, second time is the better time around. You know they say? Second time. Do you believe that? Mm -hmm. I do believe that. Do you know that? Have you experienced that? Yes, yes I have. It is. It truly is. You know, everything happens, I believe, for divine reason and and divine order. And the man I'm with now today, which we've been married 31 years, we have a, a son and he's 31. But actually, three months after I had my son, I got a call from my agent. Kathleen, Kathleen, they're looking for a black model on The Price is Right. They need an African-American model on The Price is Right. You would be wonderful. You heard what she said? Three months after she had her son. Three months. You know what that means, right? That's power. Three represents power. That's when you got the phone call, huh, Kathleen? So what did you do to your son? For that. So I'm like, well, cool. But you know, actually, and being in this business, our face and our body is our passport. We have to stay looking the way we look that sells us. And the, of course, you know, being in shape for me was okay because I would always work out. And I was in a good shape. She said, they want you to wear a swimsuit. I'm like, okay, three months after baby, I'm ready. I didn't have too much baby fat, okay? So I did. I went in for the audition, wore my swimsuit, had to go back three or four times for the auditions and did some shows. And lo and behold, thank God, I was chosen. So I was the first African-American model on The prices Right. Of course you was chosen. It was three months after you had your damn son. <laughs> power. Three represents Power. Three months after you had your son, you must have told them, or they must have knew that you had your son. And now it's time for you to get the big bucks. I'm the first fourth model on the show. Oh, Lord. Actually, really even had children on the show. Oh, Lord. You you can tell this was a set. You can tell she sacrificed her son. You can tell she, she said she was the only black model on the Price is Right. And, and not only that, she was the what model? The fourth model. What the four represent, people? Four represent death of the black man. She had a son, didn't she? Three months after she had her son, right? <laughs> Three months after she had her son, she get a call. They need somebody for the prices, right? 
And just so happens that she's the first black model on The Price is Right. And she happened to be the fourth model representing death of the black man. How is her son today? I wonder if her son a homo. Is her son a homo? I, I don't know her like that. You know what I'm saying? i never seen her son before. But is her son queer? Is her, is her son, did she sacrifice her son's gender? Oh Lord! Ten years, you know. It just don't get it. it, it listen, ten years, ten is completion. Ten is completion. She was on that show for ten years, so that completed what? Your son was three months after you had your son. I think you say what you say. Your son's thirty-one now. Uh, so ten years. How old is your son? Oh Lord. coming you said you was there for 10 years 10 means completion that completed rapidly wrapped up your whole damn job <laughs> some uh, you know lawsuits against them because it was wrongful termination and what have you they settled with us but you know it just really didn't turn out as well as we thought or would hope it would and you just had accepted and it, it bothered me for a while so uh, I just really you know had to keep on stepping and do what I did and do, did some other little shows and what have you. But at the end of the day, it was really a rude awakening for me. And I had this epiphany all along. I wanted to write a book. Write about it. Write about it. And I tell that to people now, too. And people that are looking and watching the show, think about your life. Think about how you feel. Everybody has a story to tell. No matter how small, no matter what you did, no matter how it goes in life, everybody has a story to write. And you can just, you know, exaggerate and put it out there. But write. writing is such a great therapeutic thing. It's so therapeutic. I love the fact that I was able for a couple of years to sit down and get out my feelings how I felt. I, was, I felt so... Ooh, terrible. I mean, it was like a bad blow. It was just so so hurtful. Because those girls, they had been on that show 19, 20, 30 years. I knew this, this was going to be my you know, 20, 30 year run on the show. But then I wrote the book. And it's called Backstage at the Price is Right, Memoirs of the Barker Beauty. And um, it's been doing 
quite well. It's on Amazon. I have a lot of wonderful pictures in here and different things. And, I, you know, it's a really good read, a very good read. So if people get a chance, opportunity, you know, get this book, pick it up. It's, it's on my website, right? <laughs> but it was cool. One of my journeys, one of my journeys. <laughs> well, uh, you referred in the book to Bob Barker as cantankerous. Mm-hmm. Explain that. And that was very, being very nicely <laughs> cantankerous. You know, at first, let me say this. And, but the overall 10 years I was there was really wonderful for the most part. And there was a really was a lot of drama and trauma going on backstage and with Diane and Cat Fights and Diane and Holly and Janice. I wasn't really put in that situation. But um, Bob and Diane, they were having a sexual relationship when I got there, okay? Diane befriended me. And told me a lot of the juicy good things and stuff and whatever. You know, I kind of swore to secrecy that I would never say anything and tell. But she started, as I found out, saying some things about me or whatever. Because I did confide in her and tell her some things. But she was telling then what I was, what I told her not to tell. So I figured, hell, after 10 or 15 years, I'm going to tell on her behind, okay? <laughs> so I did that. But anyway, she and Bob had a, a sexual relationship and it was mutual, uh, consensual. And her, Bob was dating another woman at the time, and she found out about it and gave Bob an ultimatum, so he had to let Diane go. But it wasn't, he didn't really let her go in the right manner, so she was a woman scorned. And she was having some other difficulties there on the show with the other girls, and she ended up leaving. And Okay, people, that's going to be enough of that. But you know what I'm saying? To make the the, 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 the sum it all up, you know what I'm saying? This is a 70s, you know what I'm saying, Saturn ritual sacrifice for Ice Cube. This wraps up. Bet you believe, bet you believe Ice Cube going to put out that last Friday now. He going to put the movie out now. Yes, he is. It's going to be a banger. <laughs> because he got not one, but he got two sacrifices. And this one, this one completes it because it's 70, 70 sacrifices. Ooh, Lord. I tell you what. Anyway, this is news. Want to thank you all for tuning in and logging on to another episode of Illuminati News Hour. Right here at Illuminati Radio Podcast. I'm your host. I'm your pastor, Mr. Michael Smith. If you're new to this podcast, make sure you hit that follow button. Turn on your notification bell so you can be notified when I drop this breaking news on you. Make sure you hit that dollar sign, Illuminati Radio Fund. Dollar sign, Illuminati Radio Fund. On the cash app. Till next time, stay tuned. God bless you.